Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. I am so excited about what the Lord has put on my heart for this weekend. And usually what happens at these retreats is that I just share with you what I think the Lord is saying to me. And we are going to have some really special times uh, this weekend where you're going to get to be with some small group discussion with just you guys. Um, Then we're going to have a really cool, my favorite part of the weekend will be tomorrow morning after our first time together. Um, And then we're going to play games, have a great time, worship. Um, But I think that the Lord has really, um, is really speaking a pretty powerful message over you and over your generation. And if you were here in the fall, something that sort of just came out of that weekend was that we believe that the Lord is calling you a Joshua generation. And it's funny because Abram wasn't here in the fall, and Abram picks the songs and Jake and Mallory, and none of them knew what I was going to be talking about because I didn't know until about 5 o'clock today for sure uh, what all of these were going to be. But we sang about giants, and we sang about shouting. And there are so many things that I am excited about, thinking about you being a Joshua generation. But something that is also heavy on my heart is that there are giants in the land. And I think when we look back over the last, probably all of your life, most of my life has really changed after what we've experienced this last year. And I've just really been asking the Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean to us? What does that mean about the way that we relate to and interact with you? Because I don't ever want to be the same again, and I don't ever want to be caught in the same place that I was at the beginning of 2020. So whatever muscles we've built up and whatever stamina that he has placed in us, we don't want to lose any ground. We want to continue to become who he has called us to be, because there are giants in the land. And just like Abram said, he is the champion. He defeats all of them. But he has given us a part to play. And it's about time we started playing it. Because the giants are all about it, right? There are enemies, spiritually speaking, and they're taking it pretty, seriously and in order for us to be prepared for the battlefields that he's called you to stand on it is going to take way more than two hours on Sunday morning it is who you are not what you do it is who he says you are not what your Sunday school group or your small group that you meet with on Tuesday night Uh Uh-uh. This is about who you are in the DNA of your being. What has he called you to do spiritually? Right? Are we ready? Are we ready to step on the battlefield? Because Joshua, 
If you are a Joshua generate, Joshua was a warrior. There was one morning over the course of this last year, which I am uh, spent three weeks or two and a half with some of you who came and worked rise camps in Amarillo. I will never be the same after what the Lord did in Amarillo during camps. One week with kids and one week with teenagers, and it wrecked a 46-year-old person like I have never been wrecked before. But we did everything different last year. You did everything different last year. And I remember one morning I was driving to work and I was praying that God would just do something, right? And I find myself doing that all the time now. The elections, the riots, the all the things, right? I'm like, God, you are the only one. You're the champion. And I was saying, you have given your angels charge over us. And your word says, God, that they go before us and behind us, that you cover us. So send the angels, Lord. And as I was praying, I'm seeing in my mind what we've always thought of an angel, right? This big old guy in a white robe with big white wings, you know, woo, right? And immediately the Lord said, but it isn't that. They are warring angels, and they are dirty, and they are muddy, and they are fighting for real. This isn't some, oh, no, uh-uh. We have far surpassed that. And do you know you're not supposed to be that either? Just sort of like, hmm, let's go to church. Let's sing another hymn, and that was beautiful, and la, 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 and life is good. Uh-uh. We better ground ourselves and pick up some weapons and realize whether you realize it or not, you are standing on a battlefield. And so if we're going to talk about Joshua, Joshua's story starts with Moses. And Moses trained up Joshua. And so I want us to look at Moses And I want us to look at the relationship that Moses had with Joshua. Numbers 12.3 says this, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Moses was a very humble man. And tomorrow I'm going to read to you about what the word says about Moses when he died. And when Moses died... God says there had never been another man like him. There was never anybody else that communicated with God face to face like a man does with his friend. And when Moses started his journey, the Bible says he was a very humble man, the most humble man on the face of the earth. And so you know the story of Moses. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh. Um, He figures out that he's an, he's an Israelite and he runs away and he's away and he's living in Moab and he gets married and he's just a shepherd. And then he sees the burning bush and God says, you're going to go tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, I am not the guy. I can't speak. And God says, who made your mouth, Moses. And Moses goes and he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And then he sees the Lord 
do these incredible miracles and the plagues. And then finally, Pharaoh says, he must be the real deal. Please take these people, take all the gold and go. And so Moses leads the people out and he comes to the Red Sea and here come the Egyptians. And there's a sea and here is the enemy and oh my gosh, what have you done, Moses? You brought us out here in the middle of the, to die out here? I mean, we could have just stayed back there. At least we had homes. And God says, these Egyptians that you see today, you're not ever going to see again. And he goes to the Lord, Lord, these are your people. And do you know what God said to Moses? He says, why are you crying out to me? Lift up your staff and tell the people to go. And that's when the sea parted and they crossed the Red Sea. And Joshua would have been probably a child and he's seeing all of this. And so they crossed the Red Sea and the next thing that we're told about is the bitter water that God made sweet so that the people could drink it. And then he said, their people are like, oh my gosh, now we have no food. I mean, Moses. And Moses is like, oh, we have no food. And so they get manna and quail. And then comes the story of the first time that Moses calls water to come out of a rock. And so Joshua is watching this leader, Moses, from the time he's little as he's growing up, and he's seeing the Lord provide, and he's seeing all of these incredible things. And so here's where we're going to pick up. This is Exodus 17. Exodus 17, starting in verse 9. And this is the first battle after the Israelites have left Egypt Moses is the leader. Joshua is, has grown up watching all of these things happen, and this is their first battle. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought with Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his arms, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is My Banner. 
So the first thing that I want us to consider here is that Moses says, Joshua, you choose the men who you're going to take into battle. And I think that that is a question that the Lord is asking you. Because we all have friends, we all have people that we hang out with, but not all our peeps are the kind that go in to battle. But you need people that will go into battle with you. Because there are going to come times when you need somebody to lock arms with. And you need to find people who understand the battlefield that you are standing on. So the Lord is saying to you, Joshua generation, who do you take into battle with you? And you'll notice that Moses didn't say, hey, Joshua, go sit over there for a few months and decide if you want to go fight Amalek. He said, we're going to battle. Now you choose the men to fight with you. And then in verse 11 and 12, it says that when Moses held up his staff, that the Israelites prevailed, and when he dropped it, they were overwhelmed. Well, a staff is called a standard. That's another word. So as Moses held up the standard and the battle is raging, this Joshua generation could look up and see, you know, this looks really bad right here, but look, we still, he's still holding the standard, right? So as long as I have a Moses it can get really dark and dirty and scary and overwhelming, but if I can see Moses with the standard, I know which direction to go. So not only do I need peers and people that are on this battlefield with me that I can depend on, but I also need a Moses. Somebody that's a little bit further down the road, somebody that's seen God do some more things than you have, Somebody that isn't afraid to stand up on the top of the hill and hold up a stick because that's what God told him to do. You need a Moses. You need somebody that you can say, your calling isn't the same as mine, but you're definitely moving in the direction that I want to go. And as long as I can see you with that standard, I'm going to fight. And I've got my buddies beside me who are going to fight and who I can rely on. And so Moses and the Moses generation is lifting up a banner. And the other thing that the Lord said to Moses, and I love this, is he said, write all this down in a memory book and recite it in whose ear? Joshua. Because this was the first time that Joshua led the battle. He's still following the leader who's giving him confidence, who's saying, I'm, I'm behind you, I'm with you. But Joshua is the one that held the sword. And so from this day forward, Moses, can you imagine the conversations that he and Joshua had? 
man, do you remember that? Do you remember that whenever I wasn't able to hold it up anymore, that they started to overwhelm you, but when I could remind you this is who you are, this is who God's called you to be, and we won. And as long as we can keep our eyes on the banner, we will overcome every giant. So if my generation is a Moses generation, and you don't know how hard it is for me to say that, and your generation is a Joshua generation, it's my generation's duty to lift up the banner and to hold up the standard. You are learning to choose an army to defeat giants following behind this banner. And the definition of a banner is a piece of cloth attached at one end to a staff, and it's used by a leader as a standard. So this is where the Lord says, I want you to call me, the Lord is my banner. That's Jehovah Nisi. So after this experience, then Moses, the next things that, that we see in, in the word is that next Moses goes up and gets the Ten Commandments, which is the law that none of us could keep. First covenant, right? But Moses brings down the law and then he creates the Ark of the Covenant which represents the presence of God. So we have the law, the first covenant, we have the presence, and then we have the golden calf, right? So all the while, do you know that Joshua didn't go all the way up the mountain, but he went up the mountain when, when Moses went to get the Ten Commandments? And whenever Moses came down the first time with the Ten Commandments, he meets Joshua on the way down, and Joshua says there's war in the camp. But it wasn't war. It was a counterfeit. And Moses says, it doesn't sound like war to me. It sounds like laughing and drinking. And, and when they get down, they've created this counterfeit God because the standard bearer was up the mountain, and they lost sight. They lost focus. And then they were easily given to a counterfeit. So Joshua has this experience with Moses. Joshua didn't partake in making the calf. He was with Moses. He was still following the standard. And then the tent of the meeting, which represents intimacy. And that's where we're going to pick up tomorrow with Joshua. What does it mean to abide in the intimate presence of the Lord? Because we'll talk about this tomorrow, but the Bible says that Moses would go into the tent of the meeting, and this is where we learn that when he would come out, he would cover, veil his face because his face was just shining because he'd been in God's presence. So it says Moses would go into the tent and unveil, and he would meet with God, and then he would come out and he would veil but it says that Joshua lingered and he didn't leave. And he just learned to be still in the presence and in the intimate place with the Lord. 
So if we are the Moses generation and you are the Joshua generation, what is the standard that this Moses generation is holding up? Well, the first thing is exactly what the Lord said, Jehovah Nisi, God is the standard. So we are doing the best that we can to remind you that God is the standard. Not your friends, not those people that you see at church that you think are hypocrites, not your family members that have hurt your feelings and let you down. God is the standard. And what that means then is there is no compromise. And we have to keep our eyes on the standard. And when all of this becomes very gray and foggy, like, is a baby in the womb a life? Is it possible to be 58 different genders? Is it okay for homosexual marriage? When all of that is going on, if my focus is on the standard, and it is God, it isn't confusing. That's good. That's good. Because it doesn't matter about my opinion. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I hear. It matters if my eyes, do you know it says other places, fix your face like flint. And no matter, this is the standard. And all of a sudden, it isn't confusing at all. The second thing that I would say is that my generation needs the Joshua generation to learn how to put your sword in the ground. And this is it. And this is a weapon. And again, God says that we're sheep, right? And sheep aren't super smart. I'm certainly not, right? And that's why Rocky is my favorite movie. I love Rocky. He's not super smart. One of my favorite lines in Rocky is he's about to fight and his enemy is coming for him and he says, hey, you're not going to have to look to find me. That's what I want God to be able to say about me and about you. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the toughest. I've made a ton of mistakes. But whenever the Lord says, who is going to go out and take that giant? I don't want him to have to look to find me. And I don't want him to have to look to find you. I want you to learn how to use your sword. And you have to be able to plant the thing in the ground and say, we will take no steps back. This is the truth. This is the weapon. The enemy is not people, but he's real. And we say, we are not afraid. And we won't turn back. And it's at those moments when you learn how to put your sword in the ground, you are going to need your battle partners. 
but we need you to be a generation that says, I'm going to fix my face on the standard, and his name is God. He is the banner. He is the standard. This is the truth. This is my sword, and I won't turn back. The next thing is that we need to understand that one thing that has changed, or at least in my mind, another weapon that you have in this battle is your shield. What does the word say that your shield is? A shield of faith. I have not used my shield of faith more in all of my life than I have just in this past year. And I have felt like if anybody has been to Amarillo, Texas, you understand that we have wind, right? Wind, wind. Abram felt it. Yeah. They'll take you out. And as 2020 came on, I literally would imagine, and I used to pray, God, please, we need a big sword. And when the enemy sees us, and he's ready to shoot an arrow, please let him only be able to see this gigantic shield of faith. And there were so many times that we just had to come in behind that thing and let that wind and those arrows blow, but I am behind this shield of faith. And if I have people that I can lock arms with, then we're all behind the shield And sometimes this person may drop their shield. But if I am hidden in faith, trusting, sword in the ground, I can share, I can shield you. I can have faith for you until you can pick your shield up again. But we better be standing together. We need to be unified like we have never been before because this isn't just theory anymore, guys. I mean, we have laws being enacted. We have lawlessness like we've never seen before. We have people that are just spewing lies and mocking and spitting in the face of God, just like Goliath. We have giants. We need Joshua's. We need Davids. We need people that know how to use their sword and aren't scared to do it with a big shield of faith and an army of you. You need each other. And you need a Moses. You are supposed to be brave, strong, and courageous. Something that I think 2020 taught us is Coming up to 2020, I think we, the church, the body, were just a little bit fat and lazy. And I think that we enjoyed, you know, campfires and worship nights and, you know, I don't know what it is. I can't even remember what life was like, it seems like, before 2020, but it was different. But it's kind of like your physical body, right? Do you know you were created to expel energy and calories? 
You are supposed to run until you can't run anymore. You're supposed to lift until you realize, okay, that's probably about as much as I can do today. You need to lose your breath. You need to get dirt under your fingernails. Run your race. We're going to talk tomorrow about some things, but one of the things is, if I am full and I sit down to Thanksgiving meal, it doesn't matter how wonderful the meal is. It's disgusting. I can't take in another bite if I haven't taken in and given out. You're not supposed to be lethargic and lazy and weak, not in your physical body and not in your spirit. I am asking that in a spiritual sense that the Lord would make you strong and fit and brave and courageous and it takes stretching. It takes going a little bit farther than you thought you could. It takes believing a little bit bigger than you thought you could. It takes really saying out of your mouth and speaking to the giants that are in the land. And at first, it seems awkward and weird and all of that. And I remember, guys, I used to pray prayers like, please, God, I want to be all you want me to be, and I want to experience everything that there is in your kingdom, but I don't want to be weird. Well, we just spent a whole year being weird. Walking around, wearing a mask, afraid to touch, afraid to talk, afraid to touch the doorknob. Now you see these fancy little... It took me a year to figure out what those stupid metal things are for. It's to open a door. That's weird. So we can all just be like, okay, who cares? Call me weird. Call me weird. But find me standing and fighting and making a difference and raising a standard and saying, hey, we might all go down, but we'll go down together, and it's that way. Yeah. But we have to have more of us saying that because it takes all of us. And I'm telling you, as one of the Moses generation, I'll be weird and I'll be weird first. And I'll take the first punch. But we have to have Joshua like never, ever before. There are giants in the land. And we need you to be effective and energetic. We're moving into a season where I think we are going to operate in abundance. I think whenever you say to God, I need more finances to do this. I need more faith to do this. I need you to do something miraculous for us to do this. The Lord is going to give you exactly what you need. But we are going to be fighting in a new way. We can advance as long as we remain unified. As long as our sword is planted and we are behind a shield of faith, shield to shield. And so I want Abram to just come up and play, and I'm just going to pray over you. 
But that's what the message is about tonight. Shield to shield. And I want you to ask the Lord, who is it? And it doesn't have to be 50. It doesn't have to be 10. But who are the one, two, three people that the Lord has placed in your life and he is saying, shield to shield. Because three is not easily broken. Because three can together protect one another, right? When one of us starts to think, whoo, I don't know, that's looking pretty serious up there. Then the other two can say, yeah, it does, but do you know I still see the standard? I still see that we're still going, we're still in the fight. So I'm going to have enough faith until you do. So God, I just ask that right now you would show us none of us are in this alone. Also, none of us are on the sidelines, God. Would you just begin to show us, Lord, who, who is it that we stand shield to shield? Shield to shield. I thank you, God, that you are the one. The Bible says, God, that it's your battle and not ours. Our only job is to stand. And God, we want to be a Joshua generation, Lord. We don't want to take any steps back. Thanks for listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.